Today's scripture reading comes from Ruth, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone whose sight I may find favor. And so Naomi said to Ruth, Go, my daughter. So Ruth went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, To whom does this young woman belong? The young man who is in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came, and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting, even for a moment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Sherry. Well, once again, grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy Wilson Feltz. I'm the pastor here, and I am inviting you today to play a game of bingo if you would like. If you don't have cards, I have some right up here, Amanda, if you want to grab some. If you don't have cards and you want to participate, you are welcome to do so. No money is changing hands, so this is not gambling. But the first person to be able to call out bingo will win a Morningstar t-shirt. And if you don't have one, then we will, if you already have a t-shirt, we'll come up with something else. Thank you, Amanda. And there are more in the gathering area. And if you're worshiping online, Kathy's going to drop those links in the chat. And so you can participate that way as well. Okay. Everybody. He's in charge of the prize giving. Stuart from the window says, everybody who says bingo wins. So let me know if you get a bingo. (laughs) That's impressive. (laughs) All right, let's take a deep breath. And let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. About 20 years ago now, 20 years ago now, I sat across the table from a trusted mentor and friend. She was my pastor at the time. And after a bit of small talk at dinner, she asked me, why are we here? 
because I had asked her to dinner and she could tell that I had something on my mind. I was in my mid-20s at the time. I had graduated with an undergraduate degree in journalism and mass communication about three years before. And since then, I had been working with people I dearly loved to help worthy causes raise money to make a difference in the world. And in that time, I began to pay my own bills and make my own friends and find a place to serve in my local congregation. So everything was going well. But I was so restless, and I had just spent an afternoon on the floor of my little apartment with all of these index cards scattered around me with possibilities for my future. It seems that when we are in times of transitions, a thousand paths emerge, and we don't know which path to take. Or sometimes we can't even find one path, and we feel stuck. Either way, we're often afraid to share what we're thinking because we feel pressure to have it all figured out before we even start. Perhaps that's what leadership looks like to us from the outside, someone who has all of the answers, has everything together. Two weeks ago, we launched a worship series called She Speaks, four powerful quotes from four powerful women, and these four remind us of the 93 stories of women that are told in our holy text. 49 of those women are mentioned by name. Each one has something to say, but we're talking about something more than memorable words here. We're talking about models of leadership. Two weeks ago, we explored the curiosity of Miriam in a moment of life or death. Last week, we talked about Deborah's ability to remain mindful and present in the midst of war. Today, we will learn about the importance of affirmation in the midst of uncertainty, as Naomi says to Ruth, while they are on the verge of starving, go, my daughter. Now, the relationship between Naomi and Ruth is a well-known one, even with people who do not practice our faith. And we often focus on Ruth's devotion to Naomi, her mother-in-law, after all of the men in their family die during the time that the judges ruled in Israel. Naomi slips into a deep depression as she decides to return to her people the Israelite people from the land of Moab where she and her family had made a life for themselves. She tells her daughters-in-law, now young widows, to go back to their families of origin, and Orpah goes, but Ruth stays famously in these lines that are often quoted in weddings because their devotion is so complete. Ruth says to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. She seals these words with a legal vow. She means it. And then the two set out together for Bethlehem. It's in this process of rebuilding life, of building a new life with few resources, that Ruth comes to Naomi with a plan to glean barley from a nearby field as it's harvested. That is her plan. 
literally to walk behind the people as they harvest and pick up what falls on the ground. Now, this was not some harebrained scheme. Though she was new to the faith, Ruth must have learned from Naomi that Hebrew law provided for such an arrangement. We can find it in a long list of laws in the book of Leviticus. If we turned to Leviticus chapter 19, I know Leviticus is everyone's favorite book. There is this law. There is actually a law shared in the voice of God. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the foreigner. Well, Ruth qualified as both in that moment, poor and foreign as she was. And so she went to the fields praying that she could find one owned by someone who followed the law. That's what she means when Ruth tells Naomi that she's looking to find favor in someone's sight. This is not code for I'm looking for a husband. Ruth is looking for someone who not only follows the law, but does so with generosity as an act of faithfulness to God and to the benefit of those in need. She's not looking for someone with power to do her a favor, as we might say today. She is seeking the grace of a neighbor, because that's what favor is. Grace, favor, and grace mean the same thing, a true gift from God that cannot be earned. This goes both for the grace that God gives us and the grace we are called to give each other. And we see this play out over and over again in the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. By the time we get to the part of the story that Sherry read this morning, Ruth already has a plan. We've established that. She knows the law, presumably because Naomi was walking with her in the faith. So Ruth already knows what she has to do. What she needs now is affirmation. And that's the grace that Naomi gives her. This is an important point. We often paint Ruth as the hero in this story. Well, actually, first we look to Boaz often, the kinsman redeemer, the patriarch of the family, the hero who plucks the poor widows out of their plight of poverty. All right, we got two. You get a t-shirt, but later. <laughs> but after Boaz, we look to Ruth, often twisting the story a bit to add some intrigue, saying that Ruth was cunning, willing to put herself in the right place at the right time to catch the eye of Boaz and persuade him to marry her by any means necessary. Why do we do that? Why can't we just give women credit for being smart and making wise decisions and taking calculated risks? Now, I am not discounting what a good and influential person Boaz must have been. The way that he offers an exchange of blessing to his coworkers, his employees, is a sign of his character. And the idea of God's providence, God's guidance and direction of Ruth cannot be ignored. But Ruth's own strength should not be underestimated here, nor should the critical role that Naomi plays in providing a sense of belonging for Ruth. 
Got another bingo. After all, it was Naomi who gave Ruth encouragement at just the right time, reminding us all that even and especially when we don't trust ourselves, even and especially when we do not trust ourselves, God can affirm us through the actions and words of others. And the really cool thing here is that Naomi does for Ruth what Ruth had already done for Naomi when both women were gripped by grief and uncertainty and the untimely deaths of their husbands. At that point in time, Naomi proclaimed her sorrow out loud. She renamed herself Mara, which means bitter, and she blamed God for her misfortune. This woman who had lost so much so quickly could not imagine living another day with purpose or with joy, so what she did was the only thing that she could think to do, go home. And home with Ruth by her side is where the fear must have begun to subside as hope sprouted alongside the barley in time for the harvest. Great. Just let Stuart know if you get a bingo, okay? In the exchange with Ruth about gleaning in the fields, Naomi demonstrates enough vision to get to that next meal, to get to that next life-giving moment. And for someone who is having trouble putting one foot in front of the other for quite some time, that's not a small thing. Can you imagine the relief that Ruth must have felt to hear Naomi's words of affirmation, perhaps alongside an echo of hope that they were going to be okay? We are going to be okay. I know it's hard to believe with so many challenges in the world and so many things that seem to be going wrong, so many voices that are clamoring for our attention, but we're going to be okay, beloved, as we continue to focus on the things that really matter and the choices that will sustain us together. As we're willing not only to seek counsel from each other, but to offer it as well, as we're willing to invest in others as others have invested in us, because the truth is we do not have to have it all figured out. We just need to be able to listen and reflect back to each other what we've already discovered. And sometimes listening and offering affirmation is not only the only thing we can do, it's the best thing that we can do. I know that was true for me as I sat across the table from someone I trusted and I disclosed this plan that I had discerned. I was finally able to sit still and listen. I think I'm being called to the ministry, I said. I'm applying for seminary. My dear friend could have said so much right then, and I know that she had a lot to say, but she just took a deep breath and smiled and said, Amy, I've just been waiting for you to come to that realization. She already knew. And that affirmation was just what I needed at that moment to take a deep breath myself and to trust that I was not about to turn my life upside down for no reason. It was that same affirmation that Naomi gave Ruth 
If we look at the story from Ruth's perspective, we can easily see value in seeking wisdom from people we trust, and we should do that. That's important. But what we learn from Naomi is how important it is to allow people to come to us, even when we think we don't have anything to offer. Naomi teaches us what it means to be a non-anxious presence, to be someone who is easy to be around, easy to talk to. This is not just a personality trait, by the way. This is something that can be learned. It can be cultivated. It's a peace that we can bring into the world by taking deep breaths, truly listening to one another, and speaking thoughtfully. And the truth is, Naomi was probably still feeling pretty anxious. She was still grieving. She was still reeling from having to reimagine her life in the midst of that grief. She was still concerned about how she and Ruth were going to make it on their own. In fact, she had expressed those concerns earlier in the book. But at this moment, she doesn't show that concern. In this moment, Naomi takes a deep breath. She listens. And she speaks thoughtfully. In this moment, Naomi's faith in God manifests itself in the wisdom to say only what was needed. Go, my daughter. Go with trust in yourself. Go with trust in God. What a great way to give affirmation. If we can do so honestly, go. Go and trust yourself. Go trusting in God. Can you remember a time when someone offered you support like that? Can you think of anyone who might need that kind of affirmation from you now? It really could change their life. So perhaps this week we could take some time to consider who in our life needs some affirmation. Perhaps we could reserve some time and space to listen and reflect with that person. And in doing so, we just might discover that we are going the same way. Amen? Amen.